Hey, this is Sasha Jensen, and I want to invite you to the Don't Go Out There podcast. Come join me and keep screaming. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Just want to thank all our fans and listeners. Really appreciate the support. You guys are awesome. I'm super excited for this upcoming interview. We are joined today by another legend of the business, known best for his roles in Dazed and Confused, the OG Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and, of course, Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers. Thank you so much for joining us, Mr. Sasha Jensen. How are you doing? Oh, good. I'm 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 as happy to be here as you guys are. It sounds like we're we're doing what we like to do, so that's a good thing. Absolutely, yes, sir, <laughs> Mister Jensen. We just always like to start all of our interviews by asking, "Was it that got you into acting? Was it just the family business, or did something else spark that fire?" I didn't know any better. It was a fa- it was definitely a family business. My dad was a uh, uh, a character actor. Um, I grew up in you know I grew up in L.A. I kind of view myself as a Hollywood townie, you know, and um, yeah, I grew up on movie sets and that was my, you know, that was my farm. And, and when I got, you know, when I got older, I was always kind of like the kids, like I was a kid and they'd like, Oh, throw them in there. And I'd go on locations with my dad and all of a sudden I'm, you know, I'm wearing like an Indian outfit or this or, you know, <laughs> so, you know, I got, I did a bunch of little stuff and I thought, well, Later on, I'm like, well, what, you know, when you start thinking about what you're going to do, and I was like, well, dad gets to go to Spain for two months. What's he doing? I want to I do that. I know all the other dads are working really hard. And it seemed like my dad was having a good time. And so I thought, all right. And then, you know, and then I, I dipped my toe in it. And then I, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I get it. And I also, I found that I fell in love with acting and I like, okay. And then I really, then I really got into it. And I, you know, I loved it. I studied hard and, you know, went to New York and, Italy and Scotland and I was like okay this is this is what I you know I, I, I learned that it was actually an art instead of like this fun thing that my dad did you know right and yeah so yeah there you have it that's how that's how that happened if awesome. you remember do you remember uh, do you remember uh, you remember Chinatown right oh yes okay so my dad yeah he played he played like the heavy in those movies forever. Like he got killed by everybody and like Clint Eastwood <laughs> killed him, you know, 20, 20 nice. times and they always fought. And yeah. So that was, yeah. So he played that. He played the heavy in quite a few things. Awesome. Well, talk to us a little bit about Ghoulies too. Uh, early on in your career was, what was that experience like for you? And unless I'm mistaken, that was your first named and credited role. The, uh, you know what a buddy of mine is like, I was in acting, I was in these, these acting classes and kind of the way it's a little different now, I think, but you know, it's kind of like when you're in the, in LA and these little acting classes and all of a sudden get to know everybody. And everyone's like, you know, everyone's the same age and it's kind of like your early late teens or early twenties. And you're like, Oh, did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? And you like bomb auditions and you, you know, you'd really, you drive around a lot and you have to be very aggressive or you can't, you can't, but you can always take different technique tech tactics. But, um, I forgot who it was. A friend of mine was like, Oh, this thing. And it's like, cool. You know, I was like, 
but it goes to Italy. The whole thing was, it's going to Italy. Nice. And that, and, and that was like, all of a sudden me thinking about my dad was doing, you know, I'm like, that would, if I get that, that means I'm doing it, you know? And yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, it was like this weird little low budget, ridiculous, silly movie, but you get to get on a plane at, you know, 19 years old or whatever. And you're, right. you know, you're staying, you know, they're paying for you to stay in, in Rome at, at, you know, staying in a nice hotel and via uh, Venado by the by the fountains, and I was like, "Wow, this <laughs> it was great." And the crazy thing is, is Malcolm McDowell was staying in the same hotel. Oh wow! Uh, and so you don't think because that was like kind of an era when the world was obsessed with uh, Clockwork Orange. Yes, mm-hmm. and I was like, "I'm like I'm in the same." You know, same hotel as Malcolm McDowell, and he's right, and he's doing, and he was shooting in the same studio. It was, uh, I think, it was Dino De Laurentiis' studio. Is that what it was called? I think it was his person, like his personal studio. I can't really remember, but they were doing a bunch of bunch of schlocky things there. Uh, <laughs> Malcolm was, it, he was even doing a schlocky thing. You know, they would just have to pay him a lot to do it. And right. Yeah, so th- I mean, that's what it was about. It was really about it was about Italy. It was about being young. It was about like w- you know, you felt like, oh, this is you know, I've got my hand on the on the on the gauntlet here, and this is this is working out, and you know, and there's you know, you meet good friends, and yeah, that's that's what that experience was. As far as the film goes, <laughs> that was like it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. Um, <laughs> But back then they would drink wine during lunch, which we did a lot, nice. you know. And I think I was I think I was underage still. Um Yeah. So as far as the movie goes, I have zero zero memory of actually making it. Everything else was fantastic. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> hey, that's what's important. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure you're sick of answering Halloween four questions, but I do have to ask. So in 1988, the franchise is coming off a financial low point with part three. They wanted to get back to the roots with the return of Michael Myers. Can you talk a bit about auditioning for part four? Like how did that whole part of Brady come about for you? It was almost like perfectly in line with coming home from Ghoulies 2. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, wait a minute, what is this? Like another you know, another movie that no one's going to ever see, you know, it's got a number next to it. Like I knew Ghoulies too, but no one was going to ever see it. And I thought, well, I probably have to do a bunch of these before I get to be in a movie movie, you know? And so, right. you know, this one had a number four next to it and number three, I don't think anyone remembered. So it was already dead. It was already dead, you know? And, and, and back then, if I had a number three next to it, it was dead. There was no like part eight, part nine. That just didn't happen. Right. Straight to video. Too. You were number three. It was dead, and now I'm on. I'm in number four, and but it was weird because it's like you know, like it's number four. So we kind of all thought like, you know, this is going to be nothing. But then you know, the script was kind of cool, and then we got we got out there, and you're like, you know, I remember like first getting there, and the street was dressed, you know, eerily, and the house was great, and I was like, oh, this is this could be like a real fun thing, and right. And then all of a sudden it, 
it became it was like, oh, this is it may never be seen. It'll probably never be seen because it's got a number four next to it. But this looks cool. This looks like a real movie. This could be a real movie, you know? So auditioning a friend of I don't even think a lot of I think I think I was lucky because back back then there were movies that people just didn't want to just wouldn't audition for, you know? And that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, they're like it's like the straight to cable. They were straight to cable movies, right? You know, and it's like, well, unless you really need, and you don't get paid a lot. You don't get paid much. You know, it's like, okay, it's a scrappy job. Are you gonna? You want to give it a shot? And you, and I went in, and like, and I think I got it pretty quick, and I was so surprised, you know, because it was kind of my that was, I mean, what I would consider my first movie movie. You know, I think I did a couple low right. budgets. I did a couple low budgets before that. But they were, you know, they were really like you could tell those were low budgets. Right. You know, this one was like, oh, this is like a real, real, real thing and on location and, you know, all that. Right, absolutely. And so, kind of sticking with Halloween, you know, I've heard in other interviews your your story about George Wilbur and you know how he worked with your dad as a stunt guy. And uh, can you talk a little bit about you know your death scene where you guys almost, uh, I believe, ad libbed a little bit some parts of your death scene to an extent. Can you talk about that? Yeah, it was it was kind of a, it was a total ad lib because he was friends with my dad, right? And you know, my 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 dad was like kind of like a big brawny kind of uh, well respected rough and tumble stunt guy who made it as a, a character actor because he was kind of a badass, you know, and so all the stunt guys who came after him, like they were like, Oh boy, you're a Jensen. Here's you're the Jensen kid. Okay. <laughs> you know, like he was kind of right. ominous, this ominous figure. And so I knew he was friends with my dad and he was like, Oh, you're a Jensen kid. I, you know, it's like, well, we got to do something to make your dad proud. You know, we're going to do, you know, and I'm like, and, and, and I kind of grew up in that world anyway, with, you know, a lot of the stunt, you know, I had a lot of stuntmen friends and older guys. And so I'd go, out to their ranches and learn how to motorcycle ride and rope and do stunt fights. And, and he was like, let's, let, let's do something because it wasn't really scripted, you know, at all. Right. At all. It was like, okay, you're going to die and it's going to be gory and we have no idea, but let's just try and do something. And it was, and okay. he was good. He's like, okay, we do the, you know, we do the stairs and then, and then we just kind of, the fight made sense, you know, the fight to do the fight at the top of the stairs made absolute sense. It's like, okay, let's kind of improv this out. You're running up here. How do we do this fight? Oh, you get this great idea because you're going to save the day and shoot him. So you're going to be heroic and you stop. It's like, okay, and this, you know, of course it's like, this is not going to work. And, and yeah, so, <laughs> and of course, you know, if you look at it, you know, when he, you know, when he cut to me, I was hurling myself into the wall just hurling myself, you know, because it was like, okay, dad, here we go. I'm showing you, you know, I'm doing the fight. And it was, all, it was kind of, you know, it was kind of this comedic thing, but yeah, it was, it was, it was fun because I kind of feel like my, my upbringing came to, you know, a fruition in that moment with, you know, somebody who knew, you know, who knew my dad and, and it worked, you know, it worked out well. And that the whole, it was all, very simple it's like when he lift me up we had like a teeter-totter under me 
you know, it's kind of very right. real low tech, you know, real low tech stuff, but it, everything about it looked kind of cool. Right. Absolutely. Uh, last Halloween question. We can move on. I promise. Uh, we, we, we mentioned Kathleen Kenmont earlier and we've had Kathleen and Ellie and I asked them the same question on with this franchise and, and the whole Halloween thing kind of being at a fork in the road. There's a big push for them to revisit the Halloween four timeline with Dwight Little even, you know, talking about a Halloween four part two. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, would you be keen to return in another role? I mean, maybe as, you know, Brady's father, uh, something like that, maybe? <laughs> yeah, yeah. As well, if, if I were Brady's father, I'd be, how old would I? I'd be really, really old. Um, maybe Brady's. Uh, oh, oh, so they would return to the same timeline? Yeah, they're talking. They want to talk about like doing, like forgetting about part five and six and the rest of it. Just are they really like? Are they really talking about this? Dwight Little is pushing for it. Yes, sir. Wow, I wonder what that story would be. Other than, yeah, why not? I think it would be. I think it would be a blast. I, you know, I when I did it, I never thought anything of it. Um, other than when it came out, I like I wasn't embarrassed. I wasn't embarrassed, and I thought it was kind of cool. But you know, I go to these conventions now and it's like oh my god this is amazing right. there's so many people here and it's has so much energy and like and now history and like wow this is great to be a part of this is you know this is it's fun it's fun it's a lot funner than i than i thought it was going to be you yeah, know yeah i'm sure it's very surprising but yes so why not why not how fun would that be you know i'd love to get killed again if i could <laughs> <laughs> Do, do you and Ellie and, and Kathleen and, and that entire cast, do you guys keep up, keep in touch? I mean, it seems like what, when you brought up conventions, you know, when we've been to a couple of conventions, you know, Kathleen and Ellie and, you know, at least her and Danielle, you can tell are pretty still close. Do you guys still still talk every now and then? You know what? Our, our, our relationships haven't, there hasn't been a pause in them, even if, if we don't see one another. You know, everyone's got kids and, you know, different lives and, and but when we see each other, and it's for me, it's been just a few conventions every every now and then. Okay, you know, and I mean, I went to school with with Kathleen, so that's she's like an old school pal. That's you right. Know? I went to prom with her with her best friend. Oh wow! You know, which is you know, and then when I when I you know when I got on the plane in, in Burbank to in the, at the airport, she comes rolling up. I'm like, no way! It's you. <laughs> You're like you know, and it was like. You know, and she was always like the 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 intimidating, most beautiful girl in school. You know, yeah, I can see that. And I was like, okay, this is gonna play out. I don't I'm really nervous about this. You know, and and, uh, and uh, yeah, but so we're we're all we're all close, and we have a shorthand with with one another. You know, I haven't seen Ellie in a long. I haven't seen Ellie in a long time. Um, I bumped into her like at a Starbucks, which was which was. This is years. I'm sure this is years ago. I'm sure this is before COVID. Um, but yeah, you know, when you when you have those kind of experiences, there's always a, there's a connection yeah. that you know you don't even need to maintain it. You just like, oh God, I remember what an amazing time we spent together. So your other really big role that you're most known for, Don on Days and Confused. Could you talk to us a little bit about that role and your experience with that movie? Um. So. So that that character was I wanted to play the guy that I never was, which was the the drunken kind of whirling dervish, 
nightmare shipwreck of a teenager, you know? Right. And I, I kind of, you know, they, I, we got the wardrobe and it was like overalls and I was like, pig pen. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going all in pig pen. And I, I kind of wanted to keep it that way, but they were like, no, you got to put in some, put on something cool for the night. I'm like, I want to just want to, I just want to be a pig pen. I want to be the drunk idiot guy. And I still was able to do that, but I had to change the outfit. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my, that was the kind of what we agreed on, you know, what I should be. And, and then, you know, we had our, our friendships, you know, cause we had two weeks of rehearsal. Okay. So everybody had a, di- had a different energy kind of about them. And we were, you know, we were all in Austin and we were rehearsing and it was like, we were finding fun things and nuances and shorthands and, um, and it just, that was one of those things where like, wow, I think this is going to be something good, you know, cause it felt very full, you know, it felt very full kind of across the board and everybody was feeling, you know, feeling that energy grow. And, you know, and then Rick was fighting with the producers cause they wanted him, they wanted us to not to swear at all ever, like not one oh, wow. curse word. And there was, and he was, you know, we were watching him fight, you know, for that. It's like, no, what we're doing is something that's real and how kids are. Cause back then, you know, you think about that, that era, there wasn't any movies like that right. for, for kids. Right. And they're marketing this thing as a teenage movie. So, you know, think of what were the big teen movies back then? But they were, they were very, they were glossy and just kind of sugar coated and bubble gummy. Oh, okay. You know, and yeah. he was, he was, he was like, no, I don't want to do this. And they were like, we're never going to get a release. It's never going to happen. No one's going to see this movie. And he's like, I don't care. We're doing it. We're doing it this way. And they were, we were fight. And so we're watching him fight. We're all like. Fuck yeah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yeah, we're doing this is cool, right? We're all like, maybe no one's going to ever see it, but I think, you know, so it, it felt really loose, you know, it felt really loose. And, you know, all the personalities were able to kind of um, bond and find one another. And, you know, and those, their friendship, you know, they were, they were, or the friendships were organic, you know, they relationships were organic they were like we were hanging out all the time and then for the second half of the movie it was all it was supposed to be at nighttime so we were shooting all night every night for a month and then during the day we would just go you know we would just go fuck off we would like go let's go to the river let's go to the because you're supposed to be kind of like tired and drunk anyway right so we were just embracing we'd stay up all night and (laughs) you know maybe stay up all day the next day or you know, so our clocks were totally upside down. Um, but as a group, you know, right. and so we all shared that, like, oh, you know, everybody was punchy, you know. Nice. Um, because, and, and I think that's the thing that, that you know, that, that made it. Because um, reading the script, you could, I couldn't, I didn't even know what the story was about again. You know, I was like, you read it, and I'm like, I, I don't, I don't get it. You know, I have no idea what it didn't feel like who am I rooting for? You know, cause those, you know, scripts, you're like, okay, who do you root for? Who's the bad guy? Who's the, you know, right, and it's right. like, who's, I don't even know who the lead is in this. What is this? You know, <laughs> yeah. it didn't make, it didn't make sense. And then we, um, we saw the first screening of it and it didn't work. 
none of it made sense. And the thing that really pulled it together was the music. Uh, I mean, if you look at it again with the lens that look at it as a music video, because it's, it's genius. Like he, you know, it's just, uh, it's a constant music and it's, it's dialed in because we saw a version of it when it was not dialed in. Right. Probably the same, probably the same exact version. And we were all, we all walked out of there and went just going, Oh my God, I, I, I don't know what this is, you know? It didn't. It didn't work. So, yeah, it was interesting how, kind of, for me, it was it was saved by more focusing, on, you know, on that music because no one thinks about it like that. No, that's great. Well, music. Great. We've seen plenty of times where a score can make or break a, a scene, and so yeah, for a movie, for sure. For sure. For sure. But it's it's like you don't think about that as a viewer, you know. Right. And right. even if it's something, even if something like you watch it and. It's like okay, well, that scene didn't work. You don't go, oh, if I put this music in there, or if I did yeah. that, that would that would save it. You just know it that that didn't work. So you're uh, according to IMDb, your last credited role was as Pat and Trust Me. That cast is just ridiculously stacked with stars: William H Macy, Amanda Peet, Molly Shannon, and one of my favorites, Sam Rockwell. Can you talk a little bit about that movie and maybe some experiences working with that cast? Um, I didn't I didn't do much in it. Clark, who directed it. Uh, you know, is a good friend. Uh, I knew I've known him forever, and he just called me up and said, "You want to?" You know, it was just one. It was one day. He's like, "You want to? Do you want to come in and play this? Play this part?" And I'm like, "Yeah, hell yeah! Why not? What are we doing? What are we doing?" And I, I don't, <laughs> I don't even know if I read the script. I don't even know if I read it. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> Clark hadn't got you in a Marvel movie yet. <laughs> what? No, I, I was like, I was wondering. I'm like, Clark, what about that? show you're on though <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> you know but he's he, no he's he's not doing that anymore but yeah no that was it was it was great it was fun I, I i was like one of those things where you know i hadn't seen him in a while and he reached out and i was like oh oh yeah let's do this fun for fun it was nice that's a that's a great relationship you just like you know you you can tell you've got a really good relationship it's like hey do you want to do this and you're just like yep i don't even need to read it so that's awesome <laughs> oh yeah no he was you know he, Clark is very, very, you know, every, we know he's very, very talented. And I, I, I knew him before, you know, before I think he even had a job, you know, when he had a little tiny Honda and living in Venice in a, in a single, you know, and we were all, we were all, everybody was scrapping along, you know, as, right. as, a, as a group. And then, you know, all of a sudden there's like, look at that skyrocket go, look at that. Oh, what happened over here? And, you know, but yeah, I was there, I was there when and, and before with him. Awesome. Awesome. I love these stories. Uh, Mr. Jensen, you've done a lot of TV in addition to film. Can you talk about the difference as an actor in, you know, doing TV versus film? And do you have a preference? Well, I think, I think, you know, naturally film, because it feels like, uh, in theory, it's more geared and more kind of focused on a, on a performance in theory. I don't even know, but, um, I think my, I had, you know, two great, I had one, you know, great, great TV experience on a episode of NYPD Blue where I played this, uh, I played a sociopath and, and I, I literally killed a family and torched the place. And, and then I like was one of those people who like stalks the crime scene and then gets caught and like tries to help and, you know, throughout the whole episode and you don't even know it. You don't know it's, it's me. Like I'm just in the beginning. You're like, I'm the guy who's helping. Ah. 
and then uh, Jimmy Smith's after a while, he's like, I don't know about this kid. This is not really. <laughs> and then we've got this really cool long interrogation scene where they crack me. Um, and so that was because it was, uh, was David Milch was an amazing writer right. at the time. And it's funny, they, they uh, somehow they combined two roles. And literally, I, I got the job of this killer guy, but I guess there was an accomplice or something. And then I finally get the script and the, the whole ending, it was like literally like, which never happens in TV, but it was like this four page monologue of like him drilling me. And then I go in the story, I go in the story, I go in the story and then he drills me again, but it was so much, so much dialogue. And I go to the set the, the first day, which was kind of more like, you know, establishing and walking around New York City and all that. We, we, we were shooting in L.A. And Jimmy Smith, he's like, he's like, you're making him do all these pages in two days from now. And he changed, he changed the whole, you know, he changed the schedule. It's like this guy, this guy needs more time for that because you can't just <laughs> throw this on him. Um, and it was kind of, it felt like I'm like, this is, it was, it felt like a great performance. You know, it felt like in that moment it was being viewed as, you know, a, a performance that one could do in a movie. You know, I think TV, I think TV, you may not, I mean, it's a little probably different now, but back then it felt like, you know, this is a movie performance and, you know, in one of these right. kind of edgy episodics. So, yeah, I think, I think either, either or, either or really gotcha. to answer that. <laughs> so, I understand you're writing and producing a movie with Casey LaScala called Gnaw. Talk to us a little bit about that. Oh, that's great. Um, so Gnaw is, and it's hopefully going to land right here in, on your, on your podcast again. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's obviously a genre movie. Um, and you know how, when you read, uh, a newspaper or you see a, uh, something in the news and you're like, Oh my God, how did that, you mean that woman killed her five children? Like how could anybody do that? Right. You know, or, or, or did you hear that that dad like drove, you know, his car with the whole family into a wall? Like how could, you know, every time you ask that, how could that have happened? How could that have done that? This Evil is the answer to that question. Um, and so uh, without getting too deep into it is, is basically this, this evil in, in the story has the ability to kind of latch on to uh, psychological st- scars, personal psychological scars. It has a mythology, you know, that goes back to a Celtic era and, what it does is it is it targets targets children targets in, you know youth it targets you know innocence it's almost like almost like the shine in the shining you know right. it's like if you remember uh kind of more so in the book it's there wasn't really uh, an explanation before you know what that evil does it's it's you know what what it did do which was kind of fun is it, it reminded the, it reminded the dead who didn't weren't aware that they're dead. It reminded them that they were dead, which pissed them off. Um, and for some reason, then it would want to target, you know, people who have the shine, you know? And so what is right. that? So this, this is, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not, we're not, uh, 
exactly that, but it's like there's this thing that is hunting innocence. It latches on the scars, the psychological scars of the vulnerable people. Because like right. you think, like who's the mom that actually kills that? Well, okay, then you go like, then you hear her backstory. It's like, oh well, did you hear her? You know, her dad used to beat her, and then she took drugs, and so she had all these like burdened uh, psychological scars. It's like then you go like, oh, of course she never had a chance. Of course she was going to kill people. Of course she was going to go post. Right. So this evil finds those elements, targets what it wants. Uh, the way it wants and can manip- manipulate, you know, uh, people to the, to where they see and see and feel things that, that aren't there, you know, almost in the world of kind of smile, you know, like all of a sudden, you know, if you remember in smile, she was hallucinating, you know, because the, the, the evil was making her see what, what it wanted her to see. Uh, this thing has, has the ability to do that. And our first version is our, our, our main character. A lot of her trauma as a kid, which you learned later, was, was kind of uh, during that time, there was a lot of fairy tales in her life. Like the old kind of grim fairy tales. Like almost like when people want to try and sugarcoat something. Like, don't worry, honey, you'll be okay. Let me read you a fairy tale. You know, and you just repress all that stuff. You repress it, you repress it, repress it. Well, the evil goes, oh, I remember that. I remember, you know, I remember all those things. And so while this thing grows, it just starts showing you, you know, it just starts showing you kind of your past and those, those, those things that haunt you that you tried to repress, drive you crazy and make it do what, what it wants you to do. And so we're, we're, yeah, we're, we're minutes away from going out with it. We're very excited about it. Um, uh, Casey and I have worked together for a long time. We've, we've, I mean, we've, we've sold a script to, uh, we had James Mangold attached who did Wolverine. Um, right. we have another thing that, uh, is an old Hollywood IP. And the only way I was able to get it was because of my, my history here is uh, Rin Tin Tin, the old German oh, shepherd nice. dog, you know, it's yeah. <laughs> right. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's hard to kind of, I mean, we have it at, we have it at Warner Brothers, but then it got tied up in, in courts because there's always like hands on it. So, um, yeah, yeah. The, the the gnaw thing, we're excited about it. We had um, a great artist do uh, that one sheet, or not? It's not one sheet. It's just kind of like an inspired inspired piece of art. Um, and it's I think it's gonna you know it's gonna be fun. We'll uh, we'll keep you posted yeah. on it, and then we can talk about it uh, the next time around. Please do. I'd love to. Absolutely. Keep us in mind for sure. And uh, kind of along the same lines you were talking about earlier uh, with Days and Confused, you know, with the Halloween franchise, even Ghoulies. I mean, you're still doing interviews and conventions about these characters almost, you know, 30 years later. How does that make you feel? It's, 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 it's kind of, uh, you never expect it. You know, right. it's kind of crazy. And I kind of feel incredibly lucky to have done, you know, I mean, I haven't done a million things, you know, but the few things that, that, that I've done, it's like, they'll stand there on that, on the shelf as, you know, as some form of an iconic piece of entertainment, which, absolutely, which, which I think is hard and which is, I think is cool, you know, and I, I, the last convention, I mean, I don't, I don't do much. I don't do the much. I maybe every couple of years, but the last one we did, it was the Halloween one here in LA. 
there was, I couldn't find parking. There was like, I don't even know how many people were there. And, you know, I was just like thinking of like, okay, I remember like getting on the plane with my little backpack, you know, and, <laughs> you know, it's just like, you never could imagine that. And I know, um, I know Malik, <laughs> Malik never could have imagined. I mean, he was, a, you know, he was a PA. He was a PA walking around with coffee, you know, and we were just, we were joking, you know, back then. And he was a kid and I, and I he comes over to me every now and then. It's like, I'm like, I can't believe it, you know, it's like, <laughs> and, but you know, it's, it's like, he really, really can't believe it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I feel, I feel really fortunate and, and lucky to be, yeah, to just have done, done something. I think, I think uh, Halloween is cool to be a part of. And I think Days and Confused is very unique and an exciting yeah. thing to be a part of. Yes, sir. And speaking of conventions, we have, you know, we just we asked this little fun question. We started asking it almost four years ago now with when we had Lisa Wilcox on. What's the most memorable, me- like, memory you have at a convention? It can be funny, sentimental, uh, awkward. You know, we've heard some some wild responses, and we'd love to hear yours. This one was great. Uh, it was years ago, and I think it was in, in Jersey. They have one in Jersey, a bit, one of those big ones in Jersey. Um. And I think it was one of my first ones. And it was like full court. It was like, oh, my God, they're really, really, really into this. And I was, you know, because you have to, you know, if you're doing it in L.A., I just go home. But I was like, I think that's the first time I did. I went on the road, um, staying in a hotel. And they had, you know, all these kind of, I think, like entertainment venues downstairs. They they were all in. They were just doing it. And, you know, after you're you're there for a number of hours, you're like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to go, you know watch HBO or do something. And I, I, I think I, a couple hours have passed. I know that they were having something going on downstairs and I was just tired. I'm not, I'm not doing it. And I stepped out of the room probably like around midnight. I don't know why. I think I was like going to go get ice or something. And literally it was completely empty except one guy who's totally into it by himself, dressed up as Michael Myers, walking with the thing. Just walking back, and and he was, but he was walking. The, he didn't see me come out. He was walking the other way. So I was just like, "What? Wow! What? What is he doing?" And he was, he was into his own thing. Mark Michael Myers all the way down the hallway, and I'm just like, "Oh my god!" And then I thought, if he just turn, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I don't even want to get into it. You know what I'm saying? Right. But I'm like, I'm like, this is fucking fantastic. This guy's crazy <laughs> out of his mind. Uh. So that I think that's I think that's it. No, that was the best. Wow, one. seems dangerous as hell too. That it seems. I mean, just seems he was a, absolutely seems, out of his gourd. Wow. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's probably listening to this show right now. If you know what yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so before we let you go, tell us. I mean, you talked a little bit about Naw. Obviously, you're writing, producing. Well, what else do you have uh, going on? What's the future look like for Sasha Jensen? Um. Well, I mean, just the 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 this, the just the short pieces are the 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 short stories. This, yeah, I mean, we're excited. We're excited about Naw. We're about a minute, you know, from going out to financiers and all that. I mean, I love that world. Um, you know, I love the art that we could do in it. Um, it has, you know, kind of like the very very 
fairy tale vibe that goes that just goes darker and darker and darker and there's a lot of fun stuff we could do we could do with it um and that is so funny i never thought i mean i really really love kind of horror i was you know i was i was lucky when when I started writing, you know, I sold, I sold a script at Disney and Oliver Stone was attached to direct. And it was kind of, you know, it was like mainstream movie and it would have been a big event. And it's never, of course, never got made. So many of those that never get made, but, but like this one, I, I just, I love like these dark twisting little, little stories, you know? Um, so it's all about kind of pushing that, pushing that ship forward Right. While you know, while I watch the the courts fight over uh, Rin Tin Tin, you know, because that's <laughs> right. that's kind of a more of a you know a kind of a possibly franchise thing, or you know, it's 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 at Warner Brothers, so that that could be, you know that could be good. It's not going to be a, a passion thing, but it's you know it's fun. Um, and I th- I think that's kind of what I you know that's about that's as much about as much as I have on the plate right now. Yeah. Sounds like plenty. <laughs> yeah, could be. Could be. No, sounds awesome. I'm not going to lie. I'm looking forward to that one. Did yeah, you, you, yeah. you guys saw the, uh, the the artwork, right? Yes, it looked fantastic. Yeah, it looks fun. It looks fun. Um, we had initial uh, – we did a draft. We showed it to a couple, you know, friends and, you know, we're getting notes. But it, it feels like it's, it's, it's one of those visceral kind of – you know, twisty movers like you're like going, oh boy, how 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 great! You know, it's like a, when a horror movie really gets in your gut and starts twisting you. You know, like The Ring. You know, or mm-hmm. or right. uh, uh, what was the other one that I was just watching? Um, I forgot, but you you know you know the ones I'm talking about. You know, yes, sir. So we're yeah we're excited to play play in that space for sure. Well, whenever you're ready, you can come back on and promote it a little more. We'd be glad to do that for you. Uh, you, you got any final thoughts before we let you go? No, no, no. I want to congratulate you guys on on getting to do what you what you like to do, and uh, you know, chasing down this world of horror is a lot of fun. It is, and it is. a lot of fun. You know, and and, mm-hmm. and hopefully you get you know more and more. I'm thinking of who would, who could I give you. I'm gonna to have to think about that because I'm sure you know. I'm sure you could use more, more, and more. Because that's oh, all about absolutely. it's all about great. It's all about great content for you guys and interesting folks. So uh, definitely, you know, I'll, I'll think about that and see who that could be. But yeah, congratulations to you guys, and uh, you know, keep going, keep having a, having a good time. Thank you so we much. Appreciate that. It means Thank a lot. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Just want to remind everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.